Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey listeners, uh, this episode of the Battlestar Galacticast may feature spoilers for events that come later on in the series. So be warned. Be warned. All ministers and officials should now go to Case Orange. Repeat, this is an official colonial government broadcast. Hello, and welcome to the Battlestar Galacticast. My name is Mark Bernarden. And I am Trisha Halfer. Hey, Trisha, how are you? I am okay. I'm a little bit of a zombie. I didn't have any sleep, but um, I, uh, I'm excited to talk about Daybreak Part 1. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm unwilling to really stare down the barrel of the fact that we are almost done. I know. I almost continued on to watch the next... <laughs> The final, I was like, I can't end with this to be continued. <laughs> it's like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, yeah, we're, we are now two episodes away from a series finale and then a TV movie and then other excuses for us to get on the Zoom once a week and talk because separation anxiety is real and I'm not willing to let it go. Yeah, me too. I am right there with you. <laughs> it was like, let's start talking about Magnum P.I. Why not? <laughs> Tom Selleck Tom in those Selleck shorts. Tom Selleck was hot. <laughs> Hell yeah. We got nine seasons of that. Let's go. Um, I'm in. All yes. right. But lo and behold, we are, we are in fact here to talk about Daybreak Part 1. And we have a very special guest with us today to do so. Do you? Do we want to introduce her before we do the previously on? Or do we want to make her way? No. I mean, she came all this way. <laughs> and she I mean, you know she has a habit of like interjecting anyway so i, I mean the know. traffic was bad the tolls were heavy you know i mean it's over the hill and through the woods to grandmother's house you go and so don't want to like just leave her waiting in the wings for too long yes i'll get i'll give the the um i'll give the the listeners a hint on uh i don't know it was revelations or one of those Talking to Lee Oben. If this is me, then who am I? <laughs> Miss Katie Sackoff. <laughs> that was really good. That was great. I almost interjected when you guys were talking about Magnum PI, because I was thinking you need to go for a show that's been on forever, like ER or Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Something that's yeah. like in like season 18. <laughs> yeah, we're starting The Simpsons, you guys. <laughs> I did work with Dan Castellaneta. See, well, there you go. Now you got an angle. <laughs> right? And I'm so excited to be here for Daybreak, you guys, considering I watched Exodus. So I will be watching this for the first time ever right now. But you lived through it. So there's some perspective. It's true. It's very true. But if we could rewind three hours, I would have watched it. <laughs> I, um, as, as your friend, I will tell you that I did tell you the right one. Just, you know, 
patting myself on the back there. You did. But when I scrolled through your text message, I I saw, you know, daybreak part one, obviously, because you, you texted it. Um, but when I was purchasing it, I was on the treadmill walking, getting ready to download it. And I think I saw part one and downloaded it. And then I thought to myself, I thought she said at the end, we're at the end. This isn't the end. Cat is still alive. This isn't the end. What is happening? We've still got chubby Bamber. <laughs> so I'm behind. I'm behind. Sorry. So, you know, I'm excited to watch this daybreak part one. All good. We will just make fun of you along the way. It's Indeed. all good. And you can interject as much as you want. Yeah. But before we get into the, the meat of the episode that you did not watch, um, which we will thereby refer to it as for the entire time. The episode you didn't watch. Um, <laughs> I, I am, I'm curious as a, as a not performer, as a, as a person who's worked on television shows, none of which ever ended when they were supposed to. Nothing has ever gone their entire like, hey, we had a plan and look what we did. We executed said plan. You know, what is it like looking down, you know, what's it like being on a show that's getting to end of its own accord? Like what's, what's the feeling of we are in command here and we are kind of landing this bird the way we'd like to land it, as opposed to, oh shit, they're pushing me out of a door and the parachute might not work. Uh, you guys froze for a good minute. <laughs> so I don't know what, uh, that is so strange. Our Wi-Fi is usually really good at this rental house. So I don't know what happened. Um, um, the, but, the question is, you know, just what's it like to be on a show that's ending of its own accord as opposed to being canceled? What, how does that change your perspective on the work going into that? Well, I think that it's a gift, first of all, you know, I think that when you know that a show is ending and you're able to give it a finale, I think that is a gift that a lot of shows don't get. Um, And so that's one thing that's beautiful about it. And, And then I think the other thing about Battlestar is I think that we could have kept going. And I think that that was the general consensus with everyone and that we were sort of canceled um, in the sense that the network chose not to continue. I think everyone else wanted to, and it just didn't work out that way. Um, And therefore, you know, our season was extended in the final season in order to wrap it up. Mm. I think Ron, Ron had always said that he wanted it as a five-year run, which it technically was four seasons, but it was a five-year run. So I don't think, I mean, again, we'd have to ask him, but I don't think he was fighting for it to go longer. I think once we got there and it became the show that it was, everybody was like, let's keep going a little, you know, another season. But if the network has decided, well, I think we're, you know, we're going to move on, but you don't have, you know, the team isn't really necessarily fighting. The creator's not necessarily fighting because that's what he always saw. Then you know, what's the, what's the impetus for, um, negotiations to continue? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, and I, and I think that it was, you know, the, the right time. I also think that it was one of those things where the show had really found its legs at this point, you know, and I, and I think that's sort of why, um, we all potentially wanted it to continue, but, um, and that's just me from a story perspective. I, I think that, that, um, you know, I like the way that it wrapped up, but I know that, that, um, in hindsight, I think we could have gone longer. 
I would have liked you to have as, <laughs> as a fan, you know, yeah. you know, even, even though, you know, you can, you can begin to feel the show start to enter its third act, mm. you know, like, you know, once you're off New Caprica and once that begins to resolve itself and all of the attendant kind of personal dramas and, and plot related stuff, but there's this, this feeling of, especially towards the end of, you know, middle to end of season three of like, okay, there's, there's an end game that we can kind of see coming and to yeah. stall too much you know, doesn't feel genuine to the story itself, but like, oh no, there's totally another nebula you could have hit or another weird silent outpost you could have encountered or here are the other Cylons that we didn't know about a 14th tribe. What's happening? (laughs) Yeah, you would have had to think bring something like that in because it's like, otherwise when it's robots and humans as opposed to other type of science fiction that's, you can encounter whatever, right? Yeah. It's infinite. Um, you would start to repeat yourself, you know, when we've already seen the humans running and then having their, you know, they think they found the place to colonize and then it gets taken away from them. And then they think they find earth and then they, that's, uh, bombed out. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, so it's like, it's the ups and downs and whatever. So I feel like you start to, even though the stories are so rich and the character development is so rich, you do start to repeat. And I think sometimes shows are better too. I think we could have gone one more season without yeah, yeah. repeating. And that's but, what I think too, is that not too long, but definitely I think that we could have extended into a fifth and final season and, and taken a little bit more time. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's start the fireworks. Previously um, on previously on i got a little too close to the mic there (laughs) previously on battlestar galactica we talked with mr edward james almost um about islanded on uh in a stream of stars in a stream of stars i was like under a stream of stars (laughs) (laughs) and uh his last directing um episode as well of the series and galactica is basically uh adama comes to the realization that galactica is toast it's and um they need to start stripping it of parts of course Hera has been kidnapped by Boomer mm-hmm. and um Kara uh admits to um Baltar of what she found about herself and then he goes and broadcasts it to the entire fleet that she is an angel right and Anders now seems to officially be Galactica's hybrid the poor guy is in a tub always plugged in and can control the ship. Mm-hmm. So they keep unplugging him with their own information and plugging him <laughs> and unplugging him. It's with like him a sad up. energizer bunny who just they like, plug him in. Zzz, just zzz, 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 zzz. End of line. End of line. What? End of line. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Um, I, I did sort of appreciate that this episode, um, and Ron, Ron Moore wrote this and directed by Michael Reimer. It, it's the kind of episode that only a showrunner can write because it takes such crazy liberties with the the storytelling that as a regular rank and file writer, you wouldn't be able to like, oh no, we're going to start this, flash all the way back to before the fall and let's show these characters' lives before they ever got on Galactica. Right. It takes someone, I would imagine, at that point who who thoroughly knows the story inside and out and can play with those timelines. Oh, totally. And like just... 
embroider the lives of characters in ways that maybe we haven't even seen or had only nodded to and referred to mm. in, the, in previous episodes. You know, there's, you know, not to skip too far ahead, but there's a whole Baltar thing Oof. where it's, you know, Baltar, his, his open wound of his origin story is his father and his, his heritage growing up in a farm colony and, and the lengths to which he went to kind of change who he was outwardly facing. And it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that, oh, okay, I get it. Ron had this in his head. Like Ron's known this all along, mm. that this is who Baltar was and here's where he came from. But it's it's because he knows, like you said, because he's the showrunner, it's it's in these last episodes which he's writing, he he knows where he's going, right? So mm-hmm. he he can use those flashbacks, which I personally really liked because it showed sides to these characters that we haven't seen before, like you said, or alluded to but didn't know. And just the, also the, 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 the dichotomy of seeing Caprica City before the fall and, and it being beautiful and vibrant and, and just knowing that, you know, and we're seeing Adama not wanting to accept, accept the fact that he's, you know, being decommissioned basically, <laughs> and the, you know, the Galactica is and, and less so with this scene, but more with Baltar's and Rosalind's, which we will see coming up. It, it informs you of these characters that you didn't necessarily know to the extent. And I just found it beautifully done. So did I. I, I remember shooting these and like it, they were so beautifully written and so, so beautifully acted and directed in the sense that you were immediately went, now it all makes sense. <laughs> you understood the people at their core and the things that they've done all along, which was very mm-hmm. interesting. This scene in the limo, actually, I have to, There, it was this, the first time we see Caprica with Baltar, right? And this is just a little self, I'm gonna go on a little selfish indulgent, but I remember shooting at these at this time. Mark, what was that head tilt? That was a, it's your podcast. You don't okay. have to be selfish <laughs> about it, just do it. <laughs> no, I remember being um, nervous because Caprica, who we didn't know her name was Caprica in the beginning, right? In the miniseries mm-hmm. before she becomes the, the head six. She's a little, you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm the known Cylon. I'm making her a little bit more, a little bit more alien-like, a little bit more feline as where she became further in the seasons, right? As you get to know her more and she's experienced more. So to go back to their early relationship where... It, it to me, I just remember being very nervous of finding her again from the first night of the miniseries. Well, it's that thing that people say all the time: "Would you go back and play Starbuck again?" And I'm always like, "No, I don't think that I could with who I am now and and what I know about her go back with that um, angst and that insecurity and that juvenile sort of like." Um, uh, uh, you know, fight uh, power struggle with authority that that she had. I don't know if I could go back and do that. And you had to do it. Granted, it's not 15 years later, but it's it's far enough that you've lived the character so long to go back to who they were in the beginning is really hard. Yeah, I was happy to have Michael Reimer because he directed the miniseries, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember having discussions about him with with him about it. I'm just going. Oh, I feel a little awkward here. I don't want to. I don't want to push it too much, but I also don't want to be 
Capricorn six, you know, having just had the miscarriage and with, you know what I mean? It's not, they're so drastically different, but it's, yeah. It broke my heart. It's a capturing an innocence, which has since been lost. (laughs) And like, I mean, that's the job. Sure. But it's, you know, you've already walked in those shoes to, to pretend they're just fresh out of the box. I can, I can see that being a little difficult. Yeah. I love oh. this scene with Mary. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. This whole story. The story where we go. This scene is just so lovely with the, the way when they're all sitting on the couch and mm-hmm. just the freeness and they look like sisters. They do. And, and I don't mean so visually. Useful. I mean, they're just, they're finishing each other's sentences and they're like, it's... And it's such a treat given that we've, we have been living for the last, you know, season and a half of the show with Laura Roslin in, in advanced stages of cancer and sort of her body is failing her in almost yeah. every way. And so to see her this bright and, and vibrant and right. just filled with joy and happiness, is, it's, it's, it's almost like whiplash. Like, what is happening here? Well, but you read you realize that so many of the characters lost so much and then so many had nothing to lose. Mm. So there were these very different sort of energies in the flashbacks where you see Laura so youthful. Um, you know, you, you see Adama being decommissioned, you see those things. Um, and, and so they're very, they're coming from very different sort of forms of loss. Like Bill almost got back everything he lost when it Mm. happened. And this isn't too far. I don't think ahead of the attacks. I don't know the timeline. Maybe I missed it. Um, Do we know? Do we know? I mean, it's, it's clearly it's Gaius and Caprica's first meeting. Like he actually introduces himself. You can call me Gaius. And by the time we get to the attacks, Kara and Lee have had a history because right. when they show up on Galactica together, it's there's there's both. Yeah. Well, and you know, Zach's dead. And Zach's <laughs> yeah. dead. So maybe so do we it's think a it's year? like a year? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Well, yeah, yeah I don't know because I was under the impression they grew up together. So this is always a weird thing for me because, it, yeah, yeah, and and Roslyn has yet to join Adar's presidential campaign. Right, she's um, talking about it in here. Right. So like that had to happen and have been won and she had to be secretary of education. So it could be a year, it could be 18 months. It's unclear, but it is, it is like ground zero for all of these relationships. And it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. They, you see, oh, sorry, sorry. Mark. I was just going to say the entire scene when, when Baltar and Caprica are in the limo, I kept on thinking that it was his wife who was calling when he's like, I will sue you for abandonment. I was like, Oh, it's his wife. Who's going to leave him. What's lies. If I didn't see it before, which I did, but it's been a long time. And then you see dad like, Oh shit. That's right. Yeah. This, this scene and the next one are really, um, they really stuck with me because, and they, they I, I won't describe too much because they may be my friend. Don't. But <laughs> <laughs> but they just they show such humanity you know like dealing with it's so difficult to see baltar deal with his father you know dealing with you know you know dealing with a grandparent or a parent with dementia or alzheimer's or whatever but then also just the 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 pain and the anger in both of them you know it's yeah although uh, dad looks like he's just happy to be sparring with somebody yeah. Like, hey, look, my son is home. I'm just going to jab him until he gives in. 
where Gaius is just furious about it because it's a part of his life. Yeah, and you also understand, you learn so much about Gaius in this situation and, and it makes sense who he is. You know, this is sort of what I was talking about, how in those flashbacks, Ron did such a beautiful job because everything that the person became as the audience has known them for four years makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, you get why he's been running away from who he is and you get why he, he finds it so hard to be selfless because, you know, so much of his adult life is, has been by his own design about being selfish mm-hmm. because he feels like so much was given to his dad and so much is about where he was from that he just now wants, you know, I want this time to be from me. And, and that his be. dad isn't important enough, right? His dad's a... His dad's a relic of the person he used to be. Yeah. That he feels he had to leave on the side of the road to become the person that he is. Yeah. And it's it's heartbreaking to see him feel like he's trapped by his past. And then we come to this scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Mm. After the... Katie, do you remember this? Um, no, but I do now, now that I've seen it, I remember reading it. Yeah. It's, um, the, you know, the morning after yeah. the baby shower of her middle, you know, younger sister, um, with her two sisters. Yeah. And what I found so interesting about it is I found, again, Mary's so damn good with making things real mm. because I mean, everybody responds to grief differently, right? And, and shock. But the, the common go-to is to fall apart and start crying and whatever, or scream or whatever. And she just, it's just this shut down and turns away from them and says, ask them if they can leave. And then they're starting to tidy up. And then just like the, this is, they, their smell is still in there. And, and it's just, I need to get out, like out. And she, yeah, there's this little tiny bit when the cops first walk in and she's walking to the couch and she just starts like Playing. stroking her, her, yeah, her robe because she knows something's wrong. Cops don't show up at your door if something's not catastrophically wrong. And it's that like almost this little Zen meditation of like, if maybe I don't listen to them, they won't tell me. You know, if I can distract myself from this, it's going to be awful. And yeah. she starts cleaning up the evidence of a baby shower. Of which a baby is shower like, the night before. Yeah. And then she sees a photo of her dad and her two sisters, which have both just been killed by a drunk driver last night. And they even say it took them to a long all night to identify the bodies. That's mm. how bad the accident was. And in that moment, I was like, she see she now realizes that she's alone. Yeah. Her mother's already passed, right? Yeah. And she just, like, it's, it's, I found it so real in many ways and just, ugh. And then she walks out to a park filled with children, you know, and happiness and people playing. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and the imagery is stunning and just, it's still, the, the stillness of that kind of despair. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you see people get in the shower to be able to cry, right? And she gets in a fountain and gets in a, and leans against the fountain. And 
I kept on hoping that they had told her where all the sprinklers were at her feet because I would hate to like step on one of those spigots with no shoes on. Right. <laughs> Please don't, don't. It's going to hurt. I'm sure it would. <laughs> Mary is such a phenomenal actress. Yeah. 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 It's beautifully shot and just, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> the camera work on Battlestar Galactica is so good. Yeah. And then you go from, you know, all of that water falling to like the one drop, like full of life to almost no life. Yeah. It is. I mean, this episode to me is all about the, like the life of these people in so many ways. Because we are coming to an end of the series, whatever that is. It's not meaning the end of their lives, but end of some of their lives. And it, well, it's this, it's the circle of it, right? It's that whole thing. It's that you realize that so many of these characters served their purpose, you know, and, and in, in Mary's case, she, you know, or Rosalind's case, she, you know, held on as long as she could and because she felt she needed to. Um, yeah. Like stories are always cyclical and they're always circular. Where it's like, you know, the, the, the classic heroic myth structure is the hero starts from home, he, the call to action, the, the you know, the, the barrier, the, the, the thing he's got to do before he can be the hero he is, the massive hero quest, and then he goes back home changed, you know. And so it's really interesting to be at the end of this series and we're going back to the beginning because that's kind of what has to happen. You know, we're back in the beginning of these characters' lives. We're back at the beginning of their stories and their relationships with each other. And we now have the contrast between who they were and how they've changed because of these past four years or five years of real life or 18 months of story time. We've never actually cracked that math in a, in a good way, Tricia, exactly how long it's been <laughs> since, the, since the, uh, the, the, the Cylon attack. Three years. Is it three years? Is it like 370 know. days? Is but weren't it, they on New Caprica for like a year? Like, yeah, 180 days. 180 or days. Like yeah. So I guess that's not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <We have> to, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure someone out there knows. I'm yeah. sure Steve. And would love to tell you. <laughs> Dear Reddit, tell us what this is. <laughs> um. And so, so yeah, we skipped over some stuff because as we want to do, having too much fun. Um, but uh, Adama is packing up his quarters. The, the, the box, the address in the box says Admiral's Quarters, Cylon Base Ship, Deck 73, um, uh, which is, is portentous of, of much. Um, Lee and Baltar um, are about to get into it a little bit because Baltar has been told by Shauna, his uh, erstwhile number two in the sexy, girly cult whatever, um, Isn't that, that Paula? Well, I thought it was Paula or a Shauna. I don't remember. They both sound like they're from like a, a, a 60s song. <laughs> like it's some Phil Spector girl group wall of sound thing. Yes. Um, but told that his followers number in the thousands, which actually makes them a relatively strong power block and they deserve representation in the quorum. Um, and, uh, and so we see him sort of pondering his role in the shape of things to come when we then flash back to Baltar and Caprica and his palatial wooded mansion the first time she's in his house as a home intruder. 
And he's, you know, brought a, a woman in as, as he does. And he, you know, is that that set that she's there, but she does something phenomenal for him. She's actually more human and empathetic in this scene than she doesn't have to do this for her, her mission, her ultimate mission, right? No, I mean, it seems as if the scene with Julius is the divergence point for her, mm-hmm. where like all her job was is to get close to this dude to get into the defense mainframe. But when she sees him hurting and sees the source of his hurt, um, she figures that maybe there's a, there's a way to solve this problem for him while also solving her problem, which is if taking care of your father will let you be the, the you that I need you to be, Right. Then I'll find the perfect nursing home for him where he gets to farm. He gets to have his hands in the dirt. You know, the people will take care of him and you don't have to worry and everything will be fine. And, and the I'll last be back. time I saw him, he seemed happy. It's yeah. like, it's, it's, I mean, she didn't have to do that. It, no. it's, it's, you know, it serves her purpose. Yes. But I didn't take that from that scene that she, you know. I mean, I, I took it as manipulation, but like there was still a way it didn't have to be a generous manipulation. Right. You know, she's still on mission, but she, that's not part of it. That was, that wasn't her mission brief. It wasn't her mission brief. Music and notes and mathematics. (laughs) I don't know what any of those things. I I most certainly don't know what any of that means. (laughs) You are, Starbuck is racking her brain trying to figure it out. She is at this point, she's trying to put it all together. Right. And figure out like, what does she know at this point that it's some sort of a map. Right. Right. Like she knows that the, the notes that she played uh, of a song that her father taught her also were the song that woke up the Cylons, which also were the coordinates to earth. Yes. And so all of this is wrapped up in this music and maybe they can give us something together. Right. And now Hera has drawn, you know, a, a drawing to give to her that appears to be yes. a series of notes. So it all has to be interconnected in Starbucks mind. Yeah, man. I feel so bad for chief Terrell. Like here's a dude who just kind of tries to follow his heart and it always seems to lead him in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, Hey man. Uh, and Hilo comes down. Like both of these guys have been in love with number eights and both of them seem to be on the outs with their number eights. But Hilo still believes, and Tyrrell's like, listen, man, I, I, I did what I did because I'm a fracking idiot, you know, who cannot learn the simplest lesson that machines are not people. They're just machines. Mm. And he refers to Athena. He's like, no, Athena's different. It's like, man, she's a blow-up doll. Yeah. Like, oh, Tyrrell, damn. And he's like, we created them to be the same. Like, Yeah. It's like, don't blame yourself, but you can't trust them. You can't trust any of them. Well, out of out of the silence, I think it is the ace that have done the most kind of backstabbing, right? Between Sharon shooting Adama or Bo- Boomer shooting Adama and then stealing a- Athena and oh, stealing Hera. <laughs> <laughs> so many Greek names. You know. <laughs> ah. um, yeah, the eights seem to be the most duplicitous. Yeah. Mm. Um, where the sixes seem to be the most seductive. Um, and the, the colony ship looks like a giant spider made of shit. Um, ah, it does. It, like I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in space. And I'm sure there's lots of disgusting things in space. Um, I said it. I'm sorry, late Gary Hutzel. 
to <laughs> cast aspersions. I'm sure that's exactly what it was supposed to look like, but it looks like Dookie. <laughs> it, does. It, does a, it does a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's oh. worthy. And Rick, yeah, Rick, Rick Worthy, Simon, <laughs> with the instruments about Indeed. to take apart Tara. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, existent or not, um, but we will be right back. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, everybody. We're back. I hope you bought all the things that were advertised um, because, you know, I wish you nothing but well and good. And maybe you need constipation meds. I, you know, whatever it takes. Hey, you know, I think our podcast has been um, has been advertised during these commercials. So. Yeah. See, see, <laughs> we are a diuretic for you. We will help you push past the blockage and make life better. Um, that took a turn. It it always does. <laughs> it always does. <laughs> I looked at the la- me talking about poop. <laughs> I, I got poop on the brain. Apparently, <laughs> it must be the beer. <laughs> blood, blood. I don't. I didn't understand why in this. You know, so hot dog tells Adama. That he's, you know, he he drops these pictures and he's like, we're taking them because we don't want to leave the people behind. And, right. and then there's like still pictures left there. And, um, you know, it's, and, and Hot Dog says, well, it might be people that have already died. You know, the families of people that have already died on Galactica and nobody's here to claim them. And so mm-hmm. Dama goes back and looks and he sees, he sees Hera and Athena. And I don't understand why they're up there. I mean, they don't maybe, know Hera's dead and Athena's still alive. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe they believe that she, that Hera's gone. You know, at the very least, they sent out a bunch of raptors for rescue missions and came up empty, couldn't find the colony. Right, because Cavill moved the colony when the silence of a war started. So now they have, like, right. no idea in the entire universe where this colony is. Right. So she's missing, presumed dead. And I guess that's enough to get a picture on a wall. And then enough to cause the old man to have a apparent change in heart. Well, you yeah. think about you think about those, you know, uh, when you see a bunch of pictures put up by a family when there have been loved ones lost in a uh, many lives lost in a tragedy in in our country as well. Um, and you see people put up pictures of people that are lost as well. 
and mm. they, they don't know whether or not they were perished in, in the accident. Um, so sometimes they're just a picture that someone put up, um, as a, as a reminder of that, this person still isn't found. Maybe that's post mm. like what they were thinking, True. you know, this, this is, you know, directly after, n- not directly after this season, but our show aired right after nine 11. And I, I very vividly remember the, the pictures all over, um, New York city for a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you seen this person? Absolutely. Looking for people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's all very haunting, especially the idea that nobody remembers who the people were, uh, or it's yeah. like, you know, whoever their family was, it has also passed away. Like we've lost so much. We've forgotten how much we've lost. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> I, know. I, I just keep on feeling for poor Truco, who seems to like never get out of a tub for like <laughs> episodes and episodes. And then we're going to flash back to his life in, you know, the sort of pre war before the fall. And he's still in a tub. I know. I, I like that. <laughs> like, oh, dude. <laughs> from, from the hybrid tub to like an ice tub, ice bath after a game. Yeah. It's like, you must've been like, really? I can't be just walking around somewhere. Can we just using these pins? Nope. They do a close up on his hand at one point. You can see it's all pruned up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, And this is, this is another Dama man sort of saying like, I don't care what you think you are. Yeah. Um, and never forget it. It's very sweet. Mm. It is very sweet. Because it is again, you know, these, these two characters have been through, you know, she is to him only just shy of what Ty is to him. You know, like they've been together the long, they've served together the longest of anybody. And, uh, and so, yeah, just the depth of his feeling for her and his willingness to forgive almost everything. Just like, no, you're still my daughter. Look at this guy still in a tub. <laughs> now I was thinking when they were like doing, I thought, cause that's an ice bath, right? Sports, yeah. sports stars do yeah. that. So I'm like, mm. I bet he's not in a cold ice bath. No, there's no ice in it. I know it can still be really at, cold water, but I'm looking at it right now. Trust me. I sit in ice baths. That is not an ice bath. You would not be that calm. <laughs> you would not be that calm. Well, he's I'm, just so hot. He's melted all the ice. He maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. He looks so young. <laughs> yeah. But what he's saying here is I, I'd have to read it to be, but he's he's saying yeah. it's a it's not about the win or this or whatever. It's about the perfect, it's about the physics, it's about the, you know, everything coming together and the perfection and the moments and the whatever. And it just of course correlates exactly to what is needed and about to happen with yeah, yeah. you know. On Galactica and 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 what Kara is going to do in the future with with this, and it's very on point for you know a lot of the mindset of professional athletes, especially veteran athletes, who've like I've won the trophies, I've hoisted the the, the cup in the air, I've got my jersey to the rafters, but now it's about the perfect lap or the perfect swing or the perfect dive or the perfect whatever. Like, can I just achieve that moment of perfection? And then we get you know hybrid Sam who's just all in it, <laughs> you know, spins the and turns. Face, the perfect lace, the end of Kara Thrace. <laughs> like, find a perfect world for the end of Kara Thrace. End of line. 
Well, it's very interesting because he he completely in this moment foresees that she's she's ultimately going to have the end that she had. Mm. Yeah, and that that there is there may not be survival for her at the end mm. of this story, right? Um, and that this story will end when she does, right? In a, in a weird, awful, crazy kind of palindromic prophecy. Mm. Um. I still can't quite get used to Leah Dama in a suit because I keep on thinking who's making suits. <laughs> like, is there some, just one of these ships in the fleet is like the Taylor ship. <laughs> yeah. I always ask myself where the liquor comes from. <laughs> like never ending supply so much. So there's a bar. <laughs> <laughs> we, we saw the, the bootleg liquor that, you know, the hangar deck was doing for a while there early on. Right, but that's, not, that's not the ambrosia and everything that no. people are drinking. Yeah, and I guess you could ferment that algae from the algae planet and make something that tastes awful, but will get the job done. Listen, if you're desperate enough, you can figure out how to make alcohol out of anything. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did dig this scene, though, because it is, you know, again, these two characters who have been at odds for, you know, the bulk of the show you know, finding ultimately the reason why, you know, what is the, the, the root cause of their antagonism? And it's that, you know, as a soldier, your life is all about putting your life on the line for a greater good, about being selfless. Mm. And Guy's Baltar has never once done a thing purely out of altruism. And, uh, and the crux of the scene is that, yeah, even Gaius knows it. You know, like that's the that's the last button. Where it's like, I don't think you've passed the guy's Baltar test, and he's like, No, you're you're right. <laughs> I wouldn't trust me either. Yeah, it's like, look me in the eye and tell me you haven't. And guys is like, mm. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not as I mean, he's taken in by it. I think he's, but he 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 can't he can't argue that. Yeah. And, and we've seen the root cause of that also. We've seen his relationship with his father. His father was his first chance to do a selfless act, and he was unable to do that. Um, the responsibility for that was taken from him by Caprica. I was like, I got this, man. Don't you worry. Yeah. Oh, drunkly. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept feeling bad for the bird. Seriously. And like his apartment. It's like, dude, it's just a bird. <laughs> Glass everywhere. Knives. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, he's A, not a good drunk, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's not in real life Jamie's either. either. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he really was, maybe he really did drink for this scene. <laughs> this is kind of him when he's drunk. <laughs> I think that he sort of pulled this from uh, his own memories. <laughs> <laughs> this is not too far from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> This may be a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We've all had those nights. We certainly have. But uh, yeah, the bird. I thought at the beginning he was in your apartment for some reason, but. Yeah, I did too. Just then, because this is the first time I've seen this. It's <laughs> like, I don't remember this scene. Oh, the bird scene. The bird scene. Right. I remember reading that. Now, what does the bird scene signify? I'm. I don't understand. I don't either. And I was going to see if you had a read on what that was supposed to be. <laughs> like, is it that he chases folly even though he shouldn't? Is it? Is it that he can't hold his liquor? Is it? 
I don't know. Is it that he recklessly damages things while trying to do a good thing? Mm. Which isn't him in, you know, when he was a, a pilot. In his personal life, though. In his always, personal life, yes. He always tries to do the right thing. And and that always Makes seems to be his... Yeah, seems to be his downfall. It's like, man, if you could do the wrong thing just once, your life would be easier. Mm. Yeah. Now, this is... We have had the line on the ship before. Mm-hmm. We have in Exodus. <laughs> yes. It all comes around. Oh, I appreciate yes. you, Katie, doing that bit of research that we didn't do. Well, there you go. Although it was salt. In, uh, it was it. salt. Yeah. It was. Not red duct tape. No. <laughs> It said Bible on it, which I didn't quite understand that, but mm, Bible salt. Oh um, yeah. Is that a thing? Um, I, I think it might be. Right. I'm like sure there's some, yeah. Right. Um, I did sort of like this bit where we're getting pieces of exposition from everybody. You know, it's this little bit of like, we're going around the horn and, and hot dog says that Anders gave a location and, you know, Ishe is talking about that they're going for rescue mission and Rosin mm-hmm. can hear that. And Tori and Ellen are like, well, Hera holds a meaning that transcends the here and now. And like every person gets, you know, we see the word spread across the ship as the audience gets the, the, the complete information about what's happening. It's a good game of telephone as opposed to it getting really fucked up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, wait. His model ship we're going to go rescue? <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense. Call him again. Yeah. Why do we all have to volunteer for this? <laughs> do you think that this was a the sort of verbal of what happened in the in the mini series of, you know, the the one-er shot that introduced you to the entire crew? Do you think that mm. was sort of like Ron Moore doing that again but in a game of telephone? Like the, the, the longest shot ever. <laughs> um, it definitely rhymes, you know, and I think that, you know, that's the beauty of a show that, that is this fully realized right. is that you can kind of, it becomes harmonies and becomes echoes and, and, and melodies are all start to intertwine and it should kind of evoke the beginning now that you're sort of towards the end mm. um, in a really kind of, you know, bittersweet way of like, look, these are where these people are now compared to where they were then. And it includes, like you said, it is exposition, right? You're getting the information out to the audience, but it's because it's filling in from so many different people and where they are now. um, It's, I find it, I found it much more effective than if you're, they're just standing around the CIC and, you know, Ty's telling it to a few people or it's like a, criminal minds type thing where you've got a circle full of people and everybody has one part of the sentence, you know, like, yeah, like it's, it's economical, but it's also emotional in a way that most shows don't get to be. I don't want to interrupt, but I love this moment for Mary. I remember reading this and thinking it was so interesting that she right before was basically saying she didn't want to be part of Adar's campaign. She didn't want anything to do with it. She doesn't like campaigns. She doesn't like politics. Politics. Sorry. This is not something that I want to do. And I love the fact that, that um, she made such a beautiful leader, you know, Mm. she made a beautiful leader because she didn't want to be one. There was no ego behind her leading. You know, yeah. and I loved that. Um, 
you know, indulge the worst tendencies when they get it, Absolutely. as opposed to somebody who can wear it lightly and use it judiciously and decide that, you know, it is not for vainglory that I get this strength. Yes. It is yes. for the betterment of others. Yeah. Um, is this literally everybody who's ever worked on the show? I kept on like, man, there's got to be a bunch of grips back there. Right. <laughs> God, this wouldn't happen anymore. No, no. Not in, not in COVID area. <laughs> not in COVID. No. They're all digital. I always remember these big scenes because they always reminded everyone to bend at the knees because in the first season, like first in the miniseries, a girl passed out because her knees oh, were really? mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you stand for long periods of time. And when you're playing a soldier, they want you, you think you're supposed to stand erect. Mm. Um, and so people lock out their knees and they pass out. Oh, no. Yeah. I had never thought about the perils of being an extra on having to stand at attention for six hours a day. Yeah. (laughs) I loved this, that this will likely be a one-way trip. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of, I I still want the Admiral Adama motivational tapes to just like, get me to do the shit that I don't want to do. Like Now is when we draw a line on the deck. Do the laundry or don't. It's voluntary. <laughs> All right, man. Raise my children. <laughs> I am. This is the side that gets left at the grocery store. <laughs> I will turn the station wagon around if you don't decide who you want to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm three. <laughs> I don't understand. I think we can use, as a non-parent, I think we can use that more. <laughs> I just put my pants. Well, I'm three. So some okay. kids out there, you're like, ah. Indeed. I love, uh, I, I know this is a crazy, I love this scene. It's so great. It's so great. It's so great. It really is. You see the choices of the people and, and you see, you know, of course, Caudle goes across and he's like, nope. Adama's like, nope. You are. And we get a first name. I don't think we ever knew Caudle's first name. We didn't until this moment. And yeah. I, think, I think Eddie actually made, didn't, didn't Eddie do this on the day? Didn't he make this up? <laughs> Go on back, Sherman. It doesn't shock me that he made this up. <laughs> I I, I want to ask Ron, if you ever if you have Ron on again, you know when you you're know. when you're doing Grey's Anatomy. Ask <laughs> 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 Ron. Um, yeah. Take a parlay. Yeah, it's like, man, we're doing House. Do you want to come and guest on this? Sure thing, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, Sherman is a perfect name for a man who looks like a tank. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> yes. I don't understand why Balter doesn't go though. I thought he he eventually does, right? Doesn't he? Does he at like, the very end? I didn't pluck up his courage because I, I thought he was going to go right here, nope. but yeah, he steps and no, then doesn't. No, yeah, you don't see him unless I missed it. Was writing notes at the very end of this, but yeah, I don't remember if he shows up in Daybreak Two, but like that—that's the moment. Oh yes. God! I oh, the tears. And there- shows up it's just oh yeah and she's all shaky but she got her good wig on and she got her clothes on and she's she got her good wig on <laughs> she got her good, i got my church hair <laughs> i, I got my church hair on and let's do this shit <laughs> where do you want me admiral parents he's like did you think you were gonna leave without me he's like never Never. But, <laughs> You're right. You never get me with that You can't, you sons of bitches. Yeah. 
it's yeah and then mm. starbuck goes and helps her yes give me that hand give me that hand <laughs> it is beautiful mary did such a great job with the frailty yeah of at that point you know if you've ever known anybody at that point of illness like that and that she did a very good job without without overdoing it you know yeah like it's super easy to make that caricature absolutely like being drunk it's really difficult to play drunk good because <laughs> you're either not enough or you're too much like it's the hardest thing ever yeah <laughs> oh racetrack and skulls and racetrack was part of the mutiny yeah well but they need the pilots she came around all things are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Amnesty is a big deal. A lot of people make mistakes. They do. Um, but when so, there's only 38,000 people. <laughs> 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 you can't be picky, guys. <laughs> Did you kill anybody? Yes. <laughs> Did you kill like more than one person? Did Not you really. kill any children? Perfect. You're in. <laughs> Were you a leader? Okay. No, it's just going to be Zarek and Gaeta. Yeah, the rank and file we're okay with. Oh. <clears throat> And here's here's an old fashioned planning scene. I Love like it. these. Yeah, I always have to imagine these things are hell to shoot. Where it's like, all right, here's eight people, and we're just going to keep spinning this camera, and including a dude who was in the brig two minutes ago, but he's here because we need his input on shit. I think this is one of the things that Battlestar I think did very well because they got, especially at this point, the camera operator operators were so good with um, this type of filming mm. that sometimes when you're on especially like procedurals where you're on a I was mentioned criminal minds or whatever where you're all around in a circle or you're all around and you're right. in a line and everybody has a sentence it they were, they were so good about just finding even if it wasn't like a perfect oh we're not in the perfect circle but this they were very good at remembering who was next and whatever and even if you don't get the, the exact part of the word in there it was just it felt right with the show. Well, I think that Battlestar was one of the first shows that made ugly beautiful. You know, mm. I think that that a lot of times in the film industry, they're they're striving for these perfect shots and and camera guys want to prove that they can do something perfectly. And I think that the what Battlestar did was it found beauty in that imperfection of the camera movements and our camera guys never did the same thing twice. They were constantly moving and um you know so much so I, I say this all the time that there would be moments where you would do a scene and on the third take all of a sudden the cameraman would be between your legs and pop out from under the table and you're like, "Whoa." Um <laughs> and because they were looking for something very different, they wanted Battlestar to feel different and and dirty yeah Um, yeah. and it does yeah i mean i see a lot of tv today and you know not to name names or call anybody out but it all looks like a director's reel Mm. and it's like no that's beautiful like i get it and it's very pretty but i notice it too much absolutely And like you're kind of taking me out of the drama because oh look at this move you guys look where i'm putting the camera yeah the camera's in a lot of focus because it's behind a telephone pole and everything's a little blurry but you get like i get it but you know, Battlestar, you know, and I think, you know, Ron talked about it. I think Ike talked about it. All the directors talked about it. Like it was supposed to be documentary. It was supposed to be like, you know, we happen to be here. Yeah. And so let's capture this drama um, yeah. as opposed to, gosh, would you look at that framing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the beauty of like beautiful cinematography and, and even just, you know, still photography is, is you want to make the person who's viewing it feel like they're actually in that place. And it's from their perspective, as opposed to you, like you said, God, that's some great fl- framing of the, you know, 
uh, Grand Canyon. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray! Yay! <laughs> Which is beautiful and you can appreciate it. But if you can make someone feel like they're standing on the edge of that cliff, that's yeah. so much better. Yeah. And I guess it, it obviously depends on the, the material as well, right? Like sometimes you want something that is more cinematic and grand and where it's more like you're watching a, you're, you know, you're watching a, from a distance, you're not in it, you know? Right. right. I mean, the, the crown should not be photographed the way that Battlestar is. Like they're right. two no. very different stories. Um, but, you know, and there's something to be said for that kind of stately grandeur, for sure, when you're dealing with the Queen of England. But mm. if, if you want to feel as if you are one of the last 30,000 people in the world, then you want to feel like you're part of it. And you kind of want to be in it. And yeah, Battlestar is very, very good at that. Yeah. And we're almost at the end. And sh- that was a great episode I'm glad I've seen it (laughs) (laughs) it's worth a rewatch you know I really really want to watch this series and I say this every time I talk to Trisha about it um, because what you guys are doing is great and I I should watch it with your podcast actually Um, and I because I think I'm far enough removed from it now that I can actually watch it um, as a viewer yeah that's what I've found Mm. Always lag on your character a little bit. <laughs> the, end of season, the end of season three or the, or the beginning of the season four, I can't remember what it was like. I'm not really liking Starbuck right now. She's like, she's no one liked her. Bitch. No, everybody loved her. She was like the no. battle. No, but there was, a, there was a time period where she was just really angry. More yeah. so than more so than just being a hot shot and angry yeah. for her own, for all the other reasons that she grew up being angry. But, mm. um, like started being mean to people and absolutely and, yeah. and doing some questionable things that uh, that she didn't do in the beginning and you're like I'm not really happy with her right now. <laughs> I remember yeah. saying that for a couple of episodes in a row. And he, of course it worked its way out, but if you listen to the Galactic Cast, you don't hear me. Starbucks making that. some bad decisions here. <laughs> she really is. Off. <laughs> you know what though? She she was never a leader. She was never Mm. meant to be a leader. That was not who she was. She was highly, highly flawed. And um, the struggles and the war and the the stress of it all, we we saw some of her worst traits come out and be highlighted. And I think that that, you know, I think that it was was very clear when we got to the end of it that 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 she was never meant to be a leader. Mm. You know, you have that, Starbuck has that conversation with Adama at one point. I can't remember which episode it is, mm. but he, it's when your knee is hurt. Oh yeah. And you're in the CIC and you're having to, you know, go from that angle and you're like, I never wanted this, you know, this, I don't know the exact wording of it, but power essentially, or to be in control like this, I want to be out there. And he, I can't remember what he says, but he just like shuts it down. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she wasn't. She she likes to be the one out in the in in the action and not be necessary in control of her own, mm. but not necessarily in control of everybody else. Absolutely, yeah. Too much stress. Mm. Responsibility does not suit. No. Well, and then I look back at it and I'm like, give her a break, guys. She's like five. <laughs> She's a child. She looks this is at a her. Lot. She looks so young and fresh faced and stressed out. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, she she actually does take on a lot of responsibility. You know, I mean, it's not like she doesn't. It's not like you're talking about like 
<laughs> you know, a, an Instagram influencer going, I'm not taking on responsibility. I mean, she's like, she's the CAG for a lot of it. Yes. She's like, you know. Yeah, she is. She is a trained soldier for sure. But I think that, I think that, you know, she, I think that she had to leave in order to lead. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, do we have a frack down? Um, I, Katie, I, I think I do. Yes. Katie, do you remember what a frack down is? No. The last time I was on the podcast, you guys, it was brand new. And oh, right. We didn't do frack downs. We yeah, just, you were the third episode. We drank through it. And I think you guys got a bit more serious after that, which is why I haven't been back. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have missed we your, your intro. We did it in the afternoon at your house with your fish tank gurgling. Yeah. No, there was wine. I remember there, was, there was a lot of wine. <laughs> okay, I don't remember clearly. I didn't. I don't think I realized it was meant to be a viewing companion. Glug 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 glug. Drink. Okay, so a, a frack time. A frack down is anything of the episode that sticks out to you, good, bad. Um, mm. it, it could be anything. One little thing, like one of mine was bad ADR in one scene, <laughs> like. Usually they're good. Usually it's something that really spoke to you or somebody's performance or some storyline, but it could be, it could be bad or something that, you know, um, turned you off or took you out of a scene or whatever, but we'll let you think, Mark, you go. Um, mine is, is very small. It's, it's, it's barely, it's not even a whole scene. It is just literally Mary in her church wig walking out and stepping over the line. Mm. You know, I'm always a sucker for, you know, and I, and I remember when we talked about um, the stealth ship and when they dedicate it to Laura and, you know, she said she grabs the thing and the crew is all there and, and she kind of gets very touched by it. And I was weeping like a baby, just nothing but water on my face. Like it was raining in my house. Um, so I'm always kind of a sucker for Laura Roslin on that deck in front of that crew in a, in a way that, that reminds everybody how much she means to them. Um, so yeah, just her, her being there, her stepping across the line and Adama going and very gently kind of helping to escort her over. Like there's so much of that is, is the story between those two characters, the story between her, you know, who at first had no respect from the military at all. And is now this sort of deferential elder statement. Um, I loved all of it, but yeah, that little bit, Made me all weepy. I had the feels. I caught them. You had the feels. I caught the feels, something fierce. My frack down, which I already preluded to, um, was the series of scenes between uh, really getting to see Baltar's relationship with his father and seeing it sort of through Caprica's eyes, in a way. Mm -hmm. The viewer is sort of in Caprica's eyes as well. And just that the, 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 the long-standing pain and mis misunderstanding of or miscommunication or whatever it is of these two people that are blood relatives and love each other but hate each other at the same time and hate who they've become or whatever it is and then and into Mary's scene and the uh finding out about the loss of her family and in such a way and it, I just I don't know why they just really stuck to me as just being so human and so, so much everybody's story. Everybody has something like that in their life. Maybe not, not that dramatic, but um, it just really, to me, informed 
who these people were to a little bit more of a degree that we didn't know of, mm-hmm. um, going, you know, looking back through the series. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That idea that everybody has a secret, you know, and it's a secret they wouldn't tell anybody in a million years. Um, but Caprica got to see Gaius Baltar's secret, like at the very beginning. And yeah. that does drive her entire connection to him, which has driven through and lasted through the entirety of the show. Right. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah. My, mine is, is I, I think mine is Mary's performance throughout the entire episode, just to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, and I also, you know, it's so interesting for me to, to see this and watch Kara knowing that she's not herself anymore. And I think that this has been an arc for her and a struggle for her this entire season is that she's known she's not herself. She's trying to figure out what she is. And she knows, because Sam has quite told her, that she's not going to make it, that her journey is almost over. And um, so she's always sort of felt to me like she was on the outside this whole season to me. I mean, as a, when we did it. Um, and so I love that moment at the very end when Kara and Rosin are together. Um, because to me it's, it's, they're both not going to make it. And it was very clear to me how emotional that moment was for the two of them. I think, I think this entire episode and next episode is, is, is Starbucks saying goodbye to people in a weird mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's that it's biblical, right? Like Moses does not actually get to see the Israelites to the promised land. Mm. You know, that's not his job. His job is to get them free. His job is to set them on the path, but it's not to actually be at the end of the story with them. Right. And that character is always tragic and that character is always beautiful and necessary to that story. Um, and so to see a character, reckoning with destiny that way mm. is always kind of it's it's fascinating to watch i'm like hey this is not about me <laughs> i'm not gonna be i may not see that i may not get to the mountaintop with you and for a person that was so driven by ego for so mm. long because starbucks was very ego driven um it's it's very interesting that she was the one that was sort of chosen everyone served their purpose all the players had a role which was beautiful Ron did such a great job. Well, she she was on the outside um, in the beginning of this episode or this this season because she she knows this this intense secret, right? Yeah. So how do you relate when you don't even understand what you are yourself? Yeah, and it is her coming to terms and and um, coming to peace with it. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I love this. I love the next episode. You guys are going to have so much fun. The next Yay. one is so good. I, I love, I love, and I'm, and I'm not going to be here. So I just want to, one of my favorite moments of, of Kara at the entire time that I played her was in the flashbacks when she says that her biggest fear was being forgotten. Hmm. Yeah. Now I'm all I sad. That. <laughs> yeah. To bring us down, Katie. I know. Happy Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been good. Thank you for joining. You were on our first first part of the, well, not the main yeah. series, but the first part of the series series. Yes. And uh, toward the very end. Oh, well, you were in the live reading too. 
Yes, I was. I, and, and listen, had Trisha told me I would have watched the right episode, but <laughs> she's been a little distracted. And I did so tell I, you, damn it. I could tell you all about Exodus part one, like I said, with the salt, you know. <laughs> Trisha is an unreliable narrator. She so. is very unreliable. <laughs> I am going to look back to the text chain and I am just going to like, you know. Oh, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Katie Sackhoff, for giving us some of your Friday night. Um, thank you to the good folks at Sci-Fi Wire for uh, letting us do this almost all the way to the end. I fully expect them at some point to say, guys, no, <laughs> you're idiots. You can't just, no, Two or three you keep, episodes left, no. Yeah, you keep bagging on our advertisers. We can't tolerate this anymore. Can't you guys do like Blood and Chrome after this and then go into Caprica? Like there, you can do the other Battlestar series. I think we should do the OG Battlestar series. I think we should do like oh. Battlestar 78. Oh my God, if you do Battlestar 1980. <laughs> 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 Where we had eight dollars and a dirt bike, and like, let's make some science fiction, you guys. Yeah, oh, we uh, should. We should start with that: the Battlestar, and then Battlestar nineteen eighty, and then into uh, Caprica, and then Blood and Chrome. Oh, and yes. there's the plan too. We're doing that. We're definitely yeah. doing the plan. But I uh, got it with that. me. You got mm. it with you. You. Um, but yes, thank you, Sci-Fi, for continuing. Thank you to Bear McCree for his awesome theme song. Thank you to Brett Boehm for making us sound as if we are halfway professional. And thank you, as always, to Trisha Helfer. Oh, and thank you to me, Mark. Oh, yeah. appreciate Mutual. you putting up with me. Mutual Admiration <laughs> Society. Exactly. Indeed. All right. So, yes, we will see you next week for Daybreak Part 2. Um, be good up north where you two ladies are. Um, everything's on fire down here, but <laughs> yeah, stay safe. Yeah, yeah, stay safe, everyone. Indeed. Uh, so say we all wear a mask. So, so say, say we, we all. all.